Hey, welcome back everyone to another episode of It's Personal. On this episode, we have Sylvia Duckworth, Google Certified Innovator, Trainer, Apple Teacher, Apple Distinguished Educator with 30 plus years of teaching experience. Sylvia is just this really cool individual. She has good taste in music also. Let's get into it. It's about to get personal. 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 Just got personal. Gary and I just got personal. It's personal. My name is Derek Bourne. My name is Cornelius Minor. My name is Val Brown. Personal. All right, everyone. Hey, I am back, and I'm here with another episode of It's Personal, and I'm with a great friend. I'm going to call you a friend. We've hung out yeah, a few times. Um, so I spent some time with Sylvia at Singapore American School a few years ago. She did a workshop with us, and I'll allow her to speak on some of the work that she does um, um, on Instagram and on Twitter. Um, and I also got some time last summer actually like hanging out in Toronto with her. Um, Sylvia is such an amazing soul. I just kind of just sent her a message. I was like, hey, what are you doing? Can we hang out, can we chat? And she quickly said yes, and now I feel like it's this friendship that we can hopefully uh, hold on to for some time. So, um, Sylvia, can you kind of just introduce yourself, tell the world who you are? So, yeah, we've known each other for a couple of years, we met in Singapore, and um, I guess I'm known by most as a sketch noter, and in particular how sketch notes can be used in education, because I've written two books based on that, on sketch notes and education. Um, and I live in Toronto with my husband. I have two girls who are adults. One of them is a teacher in New Zealand. Toronto, cold Toronto. I'd rather be in Singapore. <laughs> so I do normally start off the podcast with a question. And yeah. you may or may not know who these two individuals are, but I always ask. Okay, so the question is, would you rather listen to um, Tupac or Biggie? Okay, well, so I'm going to reveal my extreme whiteness. And I, I know that they're both, they're, they're rappers, right? They are. I don't know them well enough to give you a preference of one or the other. Plus, sure. I'm, in a certain, I'm in a certain age category. <laughs> But you know what? Not only, am I, not only am I very white, I live in a predominantly white neighborhood, and I grew up in a predominantly white background uh, with white friends, and I'm also over 50 years old. <laughs> you are too funny. <laughs> but you know what the crazy part is, though? Thinking back on when, yeah. when I first met you, um, and I don't know if you knew this, but like you were. During each one of your like slides, and this is one of the things yeah. that kind of drew me towards you, and I thought you were like super cool. Um, yeah. Each one of your slides, you had like music playing, and oh, whether that was yeah. through Spotify or you had it on each slide, I don't know what it was, but like all of those songs were like amazing. <laughs> okay, so this is really interesting because I actually grew up in uh, an area of Toronto called Cabbage Town. Mm -hmm. And Cabbage Town, when we moved in 1970, um, it was really a working class neighborhood. Um, 
and just south of us was Regent Park. And Regent Park was uh, public housing um, development, predominantly um, with black families. And so the, the local school, Winchester School, which I went to in grade seven, eight, um, there was a lot of kids from Regent Park, a lot of kids from Cabbage Town. And so that was the music that I listened to. I listened to funk and soul growing up. And so I always enjoyed that music. And uh, during my workshops, when we're drawing, that's the music that I like mm -hmm. to play in the background. Mm -hmm. And it's awesome. That's, I, as soon as as soon as I heard the music, I was like, "She's really cool." <laughs> what can you can you just tell us maybe a little bit about like your? You kind of mentioned it a little bit. Tell us about like your childhood um, growing up in. Was it in Toronto or a little bit outside of Toronto? Uh, we were actually born in Sackville, New Brunswick. Okay. Oh, New Brunswick. And, yeah. Then we moved to Toronto when I was about two years old. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, the most um, influential thing that happened to me as a kid in terms of education was, remember I told you we moved into Cabbage Town when we were yes. about 10 years old? Mm -hmm. um, that was because my dad, first of all, I have a very complicated background. My parents have um, divorced and been married several times. So my stepdad at the time started a school in Cabbage Town uh, for working class kids. And it was an alternative school. This was in the 70s. And it was a very small school. There's only about 10 of us. And this was in grade 5 and grade 6. And we were there. So I have a twin sister. So she and I were there at the school and some other kids in the neighborhood. But we were encouraged to talk to the teachers, to consider the teachers more as our equals than as our superiors. And we were encouraged to call them by the first name and to talk about things that, first of all, that we want to learn about. But secondly, if we had any issues or any um, things we weren't happy with in the school, we were encouraged to talk about those things. And it was really, really hard for me to, to get used to that. And it, I remember really struggling with that like I, I just wasn't used to treating teachers as my equal but then I got used to it and you know um, they taught us how to argue our points and how to debate and whatnot and so we left that school actually closed after after a couple of years then I went to grade seven in the local school and I quickly became known as the lawyer of the class because I wasn't afraid to speak up um, to authority when I thought something was unfair. And this is something that I, I sort of carried over into high school as well in university. And I used to get so much trouble. I to the principal's office all the time because I, I wouldn't, like if I thought the teachers were not being fair, I would speak up. Mm -hmm. And so that was really um, a very... Uh, impactful event for me was just going to school in grade five and six of the school where the teachers encouraged us mm -hmm. to speak up and to voice our concerns and um, I, I, I really I, I've been trying to model that as a teacher ever since like letting encouraging my kids to talk to me if you're not happy with something let me know if something's frustrating you but it's really hard for kids to do that it is. It to, is. to to face up to the teacher to, mm -hmm. to, to say something that they strongly believe in. Some kids, they find it easier to do, but I think other students find that really hard to do. They do, and they need those strategies. Yeah. Really cool for your teacher to be doing that. I think that's not a 
I don't know. I, I know me growing up, there 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 were some teachers that I like really enjoyed, I really liked, um, but I don't remember them teaching me how to have that voice. Um, so that's really cool for your teacher to be doing that. Um, yeah. Would you say there's one or two teachers that have really influenced you to become a teacher or kind of put you on the path of where you are today or no? Well, ironically, yes, but in, not in the way you may suspect because um, in high school, I loved sports. I was a real jock and mm-hmm. we've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. I know you were a basketball player and I was a basketball player. Um, I had some really bad phys ed teachers and coaches growing up mm-hmm. in high school. And so I decided I was going to become a phys ed teacher and be that phys ed teacher that I always wanted to have. Like my teachers were, were not in shape and they were not good new models and they were not nice. And so I got into teaching thinking I want to be that phys ed teacher mm-hmm. that is a good role model and, and um, fights for girls, right? This is how old I am, Gary. Wow. So when I was in high school, I'm not even going to say what high school it was, but um, we had basketball playoffs. There's, so there's two gyms. There's the, there was the boys gym, which was the nice gym with the stands and everything. And then there was the girls' gym, which was upstairs, and there was nowhere for spectators to sit. Wow! And so um, we were—we had—we were in the playoffs, and I remember being furious because we weren't allowed to play in the boys' gym. It was, and so I went. I marched in. First of all, I talked to the coach. I said, "You need to do something about this." And she's like, "No, that's the rules." And so I marched into the principal's office. Mm-hmm. And I said, "This is not fair. You need to do something about this." And so the principal actually did talk to the head of. Um, the boys athletics and and we were able to have our playoff game in the boys gym um so you know i that was the teacher that i wanted to be someone that would stand up for girls and stand up for girls rights and be a good role model and, and be in shape and show a commitment and an excitement for for sport which my teachers didn't so that's what got me into teaching wow. ironically wow it sounds and like then, it sounds like there's so a lot then, of like gender stuff happening there was and again you have to think of, of my age this was you know um, I was in high school I'm, I'm almost 60 now so I was in high school about 45 years ago mm-hmm. um, but uh, then I so then I ended up majoring in phys ed at university um, thinking I was going to be a phys ed teacher and then I ended up teaching French wow I never did teach phys ed that's like total <laughs> opposite teaching phys ed when I graduated that is awesome that is literally total opposite like what a 360 yeah so but I, I will say that there was a great teacher of mine in grade 9 French who got me turned on to French and her name was Madame Bayon mm-hmm. and um, if it wasn't for her I hated French going into grade 9 and she got me to love it mm-hmm. so after that I started taking French more seriously I took some courses at university which allowed me to teach it so there is that positive role model I did have a positive role model as a French teacher mm-hmm. in grade 9 you seemed like you can correct me if I'm wrong it sounds like you were always motivated for something or eager to learn and this is like when you're it seems like you are now and it seems like that's how you kind of were when you were younger um, yeah could you talk a little bit about yeah. that yeah sure um, I actually 
don't know if that was the case. I had an identical twin, mm-hmm. and she was always better at school than I was mm-hmm. because she studied a lot harder than I did. All I wanted to do, Gary, can you guess what I wanted to do? <laughs> what was Draw. it? Did you... Draw? Actually, no. I really? didn't think of drawing until about four years ago. Wow. All I wanted to do was play basketball. Basketball, duh. I yeah. just played like, you know, as much as I could. That was my passion. School was very. So, mm-hmm. um, but I, I was always very, very determined. <clears throat> so if I, um, if I had a goal, I would do everything to achieve that goal. And at university, I did make the varsity team for mm-hmm. a year. Um, what school again? Broke my heart. I went to U of T, University of Toronto. So I didn't make the team first year. I got cut. And so I worked and I worked and I played and I practiced. And I, you know, I, I did what I could to make mm-hmm. the team. I made a second year. That says so, so much about you, though. I was very determined. Yeah, yeah. It says so much about you because I, I know for a fact, because I've faced failure before as well, like that initial reaction of knowing that you're not making a team it is so hard like just to like pick yourself back up again to go it's back so hard it's because, so hard i mean because we're like stars in high school right mm-hmm. and then you get to university and all of a sudden you realize like wow i have a long way to go yeah. to be on this team yeah yeah can you tell us a but little... you're right it could have it could have gone one of two ways i could have just gone you could stop okay my uh-huh. basketball career is over mm-hmm. or i could have just you know decided to put the work in to become a lot better and that's what i did yeah good for you i think it's a good lesson for everybody um and people say it all the time and it kind of sounds like a cliche sometimes like hey if you try if you if you fail try again like and you tell your, your your teacher or you tell your students the same thing and I think it's a it's, it, it, we talk about it all the time uh, but it's such a strong message yeah. you learn so much from failure um, sometimes we take it's failure true. for granted you know when I was um, interviewing for a teaching position a long long time ago one of my first teaching positions the interviewer asked you re- Really great question. And the question was, he said, I'm looking at your resume and I see all these accomplishments, but a resume naturally does not include failures. Sure. But can you tell me a bit about your failures? And I thought that was just the best mm-hmm. interview question. Ever. It is. It is a really good it makes I think the, the power of and I think almost the last few um, podcast that I've been talking on a lot of people have talked about like the power of like reflection and just how valuable that can be to like your life and kids life in the classroom um, you learn so much from your about yourself and situations um, just by reflecting on something that had happened to you um, throughout the day or an experience um, mm-hmm. which is really important Absolutely. really really important Absolutely. yeah could you tell us just a little bit about like your childhood life so what is your like you have you had a twin sister or you have a twin sister um, what was your like household like my house yeah so having a tw- like what did your household look like having a twin sister um, I'm sure you guys didn't get into any fights at all oh, um, <laughs> We used to fight all the time, all the time. Um, we used to have epic, epic fights. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, like full out physical fights. Did mm-hmm. you ever physical fight with your family? Yeah, I have an older sister, and we have had our fair share of physical altercations. <laughs> All right, so let me tell you about my sister, my twin sister. I adore her. Her name is Mary. We're identical twins. Mm-hmm. Did I tell you that? I think you. I, yeah, you told me. I've never seen a picture, but I think I remember you talking about it um, when we were yeah. in Toronto together. And she's a lawyer, and she lives here in Toronto, and we spend a lot of time together. But, um, yeah, we grew up sort of in this very intense love-hate relationship. So we would fight, 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 and then after we would, we would make up and, like, mm-hmm. we'd hug and kiss mm-hmm. each other. But we had full-on, like, I'm telling you, we'd be, <laughs> we'd be hitting each other. <laughs> who would, who would win the fights? I would usually win because I'd get so ma- I would get so mad at her. <laughs> and then uh, afterwards, we just like kiss and make up. Of course, it's it very strange. Of course, but um, we remain to be very close today. And how did your uh, parents react to the the fights that you guys would have? They kind of just ignored the fight. Uh-huh. They just pretended it didn't happen until blood was dry. <laughs> It's funny, isn't it? Thinking of me fighting like that? I could not see that at all. Not even a little bit. But you know what? Thinking about that, thinking about it, and knowing that you're an athlete, there's always another side to an athlete. I feel like I can speak to anyone knowing if they have done like college sports um, or they competed competitively. Like I know there's always this other level to them. that you may not see like, like face to face but they definitely have it in them i know they do <laughs> like a, a mean aggressive street. i think so i, I wouldn't have said yeah. mean or aggressive but <laughs> maybe maybe i mean I'm, I'm embarrassed to speak about that but you did ask so um and i have two daughters of my own and they're very close in age mm-hmm. they've never been in a physical fight they mm-hmm. get in a lot of arguments but they've never hit each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I I don't feel good admitting that I that we actually had those kind of fights, but sure. it's over. Yeah. It's over. I mean, you know, we we love each other dearly. It's just something that sort of a phase we went through. I think it happened for a couple of years when we were mm-hmm. maybe about about twelve years old. Mm-hmm. I think it's same with me and my sister. Like we really fought a lot. Um, as well, we disagreed. We knew what buttons to push. We'd push those mm. buttons as much as possible. Um, we'd say that yeah. we didn't do something, even though we did. Like, and it was just we were kids. I think we were bored at times. We wanted to but make each other upset. Like, <laughs> did you did you ever hit each other? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We one hundred percent hit each other. Um, <laughs> we'd hit and we'd push. We'd. I remember there was one time where. We had like this, we ended up having like a water fight like in the house and it was awful. Like, I think it started with me maybe washing my hands and then like flicking the water on her. And then from that, it went to like a cup and she like poured water on me. And then from the cup, it went to like a bowl. And then all of a sudden there's like, we have like other water guns out and like buckets and we're outside and it just gets like really crazy and I think the ending result that I remember is her like locking me outside that's what I think I remember yeah. but were you laughing or were you mad I think it was I think it started off as laughter and then it got yeah. like 
we it, we were both like upset and we wanted to kind of yeah. like continue to like one up each other so it started right. to get like even more and then with mom and dad they just i think they similar to yours like they watched it happen until the water started to like it was like in the house and they it went outside a Get little bit it got a little bit out of control <laughs> yeah it got a little bit out of control it did it did but it's all i think she's older she's older okay yeah yeah you got your good friends now yeah we're we're like we are definitely uh linked in both arms we message each other all the time yeah. um yeah it's just so different now that we're older and i think i i think a good fight with a sibling is okay once in a while <laughs> as long as no one gets hurt as long as no one gets hurt i totally agree yeah. with you i totally yeah. agree so yeah. you um can you share just a little bit about maybe did you have any friendships or um i think having a twin sister is obviously um amazing because i think it seems like most most siblings who are twins um, have this like bond and they're constantly together mm. they're constantly talking would you say she was someone that you would kind of lean on uh no i would say it was mostly my sister mm -hmm. and um when i think about the best friends i had in school like i um i had one in elementary school i didn't have one in high school I had a bunch of friends I had one in university but I think my sister played that role of best friend for most of my life and she's she still does today mm -hmm. um, and um, I actually had a really bad experience in high school when it came to my friends I was kind of bullied by my friends because I I started dating this guy who was dating a popular girl and then mm -hmm. all the so then all the girls decided they weren't going to be my friend and um, I had a horrendous grade 13 uh, you know this was back when there was grade 13 did you have grade 13 I did not I was kind of in that no I had friends that moved from Nova Scotia and ended up doing grade 13 um, I, was like, I was on the end of it when it was just kind of finishing Mm -hmm. yeah. I was bullied terribly in grade 13 mm. um, and it really kind of affected my relationships with women moving forward like I I had a hard time bonding with 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 women after that which is weird and I've just sort of I mean I had a best friend in university and I had a lot of friends but no one really, really close, but in the past few years, I've just been able to develop relationships with women again. Mm -hmm. I, I just, I was just so badly burnt in high school. It's, mm -hmm. it's kind of weird how something like that can affect you. Yeah, so I agree. It's, it's funny how those, like, it's so long ago, but you remember it. Mm -hmm. You could probably name the girls, you can name the situation, you can name oh what happened. God, like, yeah. It's crazy how, it's, were, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. They were so awful. It was like a total mean girls mm -hmm. scenario. Mm -hmm. right. And it, it really did scar me for life mm -hmm. moving forward. In the past 20 years, mm -hmm. it's, been, it's been better. I've been able to um, maintain and develop relationships with women, mm -hmm. but it did take me a while to get there. Of course. 
full course. So you're not in the classroom now, um, but you do get to work with teachers um, and yeah. you have been in the classroom for a long time. Um, yeah. From what you know about what um, is happening within education right now, um, what would you say um, is the hardest part about being a kid in education right now? Mm, um, I'm going to say depending on the school you go to, I think there's, at least the school I was teaching at for the past 21 years, there's a real pressure for achievement, mm -hmm. real pressure for grades. And I wish, I wish we didn't have to grade our kids. I mm -hmm. wish that we could just draw grades all together and then we can focus on letting them explore their passions and, mm -hmm. and do things they're really interested in mm -hmm. um, instead of doing the, the curriculum, which most of the time is really irrelevant mm -hmm. um, to most students and not something that they're going to carry on with in their careers, whatever they choose to end up doing. Mm -hmm. So I would say, like the school I was at, maybe the school you're at now, Gary, there is a huge emphasis on marks. Mm -hmm. And I think that puts a tremendous pressure on students. So there's all kinds of all kinds of rewards, like there's an award ceremony at the end of the year where students with high marks and certain subjects get prizes. We have a whole prize day based on marks. And, mm -hmm. um, I mean, there are other, other awards based on character and effort and things like that. But the main thing is like, how good are your marks? Mm -hmm. and so I, I think I think we need, I would love if, if educators just can just get away from from marks altogether mm -hmm. and and base their assessments on, on other things, mm -hmm. maybe self self-reflection, um, you know, monitoring growth throughout the year, but I think the marks puts an undue stress on, on students. It does. And I hate it. It does. I mean, you know, it's hard enough in French, but can you imagine being an art teacher and having to give a mark for art? Yeah. Or being being a music teacher and having to give a mark for music? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. It's 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 horrible. It is. It is, and it it, it can so easily influence a kid for the rest of their life. Absolutely. So Absolutely. easily. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. You yeah. give a kid a, a bad mark in a, in a subject area, and he's going to say, I'm not good at that subject. Right away. And he's going to stop trying to even be good at that subject. Mm -hmm. He mm -hmm. thinks, you know, the teacher has labeled him as being someone who can't do that subject mm -hmm. area. Mm -hmm. you, you must have, you must struggle with marks, Gary, all the time. I do, and I'm not... I'm, I'm very similar to you. Um, I don't enjoy marking. Um, I think marking, I don't think we need to mark. Uh, I don't think there needs to be a grade. Um, I feel like I can look at a kid and look at their growth, their progression, and share with their parents like what I think they need next without telling them whether they are doing poorly or right. not well in a certain area or con like it just yeah it kind of i guess i wouldn't say it bobbles my mind because that's kind of what i was brought up on as well um yeah. but just the stress that it it, it even like even with parents like parents even like the kids feel the stress the parents feel the stress yeah. um, parents have expectations like it's such a it's not healthy. I don't think it's a very healthy it's, environment. No, it's not healthy. But the sad thing is that most parents want a mark. Like they, they want to know how they their do. kid compares to the rest of the classroom. They do. They um, do. 
Really but didn't. then you get into high school and the pressures oh. is crazy to get into the universities of their, of their choice. Like mm-hmm. that is... Yeah, it's that culture is, and I've seen it, and I've, I've been. It wasn't me growing up. It wasn't as bad, but like being at um, international schools, um, it's. I've heard it. I've talked about it. I've had conversations with people about it. Um, the kids, and it is not. It's not easy, um, and it is stressful. Very, very stressful for like a seventeen, yeah, eighteen for, uh, year old. Yeah, for everyone. Yeah. Yeah, very, well, very for, stressful. it's stressful for teachers, for students, for parents. Yeah. It's stressful for everyone. Yeah, yeah. And on the flip side of that, Sylvia, what do you feel is exciting in education right now? What are some things that you see that are exciting you? Okay, I love the whole um, movement towards inquiry-based mm-hmm. education. And my tre- my friend Trevor McKenzie, who's, who's written two books on that, I think he's a leader in that um, here in Canada for sure. But I think the idea of letting students pursue things that they're interested in and mm-hmm. they're passionate about, that really excites me about education. And that's something I wish I could have done more of before I retired. Mm-hmm. It was something that was just starting to catch on when I retired a couple of years ago. Uh, now I see a lot of teachers taking interest in that and I think that's super exciting yeah I think it's we're doing a lot of that work at our school right now and it is it's so it's so cool to watch kids think and figure things out on their own Um, something that we you can easily forget (laughs) that they are more than capable of finding answers and um, determining those answers on their own. So I totally 100% agree with you about that. Sylvia, thank you so much. You have You're been, welcome. it's always so fun to talk to you. <laughs> can you give us one last um, pitch on maybe, where can we find you on social media? Um, and I'm going to say it just in case you don't say it. Um, Sylvia also has a book out um, for sketchnoters that I bought actually, and I'm waiting for it to come because I sent it to the wrong place. I sent it to Nova Scotia instead of Singapore. <laughs> So I am waiting for it to come, but I have had a chance to kind of look through some of the pages that you have online. Um, share, So yeah, just share with us a little bit about where we can find you um, and what do you have up next? Because um, you have a lot going on. Absolutely. Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at Sylvia Duckworth. So at S-Y-L-V-I-A-D-U-C-K-W-O-R-T-H. I also have a website, sylviaduckworth.com. Uh, my book is called How to Sketch Notes. Um, and that can be found on Amazon, but if you go to my Twitter feed, you'll find a link there to my book, also on my website, sylviaduckwood.com, all of the links are there. I'm really excited, Gary, about my world sketchnoting tour mm-hmm. coming up in 2019. So, um, I'm presently looking for people who are interested in being a host school. So I will come to your school at no cost to your school. And we will run a full day sketchnoting workshop and sell tickets for the event. Mm-hmm. So if that's something that any of your listeners are interested in, I encourage them to get in touch with me at Twitter, um, at Sylvia Duckworth. You can find me. Sylvia, thank Thanks you so much. Thanks for having me here. <laughs> You're awesome. Listeners. You're awesome. Thank you. Hey, everyone. This is Gary. Thanks for listening to It's Personal. If you have a split 30 seconds, please leave a comment and share. 
I would really, really appreciate it. Hit me up on Twitter at Gary R. Gray Jr. Let me know what you're thinking. Your thoughts matter. Let's keep it personal. I'm out. <laughs>